but I ended up, you know, lying about a lot of that stuff, and it really, and at the same time with the anger and stuff, and finally it got down to an ultimatum where she said, look, if we're going to keep going, you have to get help. Welcome to The Depression Files, where we talk about everything related to mental health, from depression and other mental illnesses, to medication, to suicide awareness and prevention, to our current mental health system, and of course, to the stigma that surrounds mental illnesses. We educate those who may know little about mental illnesses while giving hope to those who may be suffering. I'm your host, Al Levin, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right, good evening. Hey, I want to welcome Dan Ryder to the show. Dan is an educator, Dan does improv, and Dan is a design thinker. Dan's from Maine, and uh, Dan, I'd love to welcome you to the show. Hey, thanks, Al. It's fantastic to be here. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm excited. You have, uh, let me just start by saying you have a hell of an online presence, to put it mildly, I'd say. <laughs> well, if by that you mean I have an addiction to Twitter, uh, uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> that wasn't exactly what I was getting at, but you've got a blog, right? Uh, you've got a site that talks about the I've improv gotta, you do, um, and it looks like you've yep. done a lot with uh, with technology in the classroom as well. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. Okay. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to all things uh, teaching and learning. I'm endlessly uh, curious about everything that there is to know about how we learn, why we learn, what we learn, and I'm also generally curious about all other things in the world. So as a result, I have a lot of different web presences, and I uh, all, almost all of them are under the At Wicked Decent banner. Uh, th- that's where I am on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, and then I blog as myself. Uh, there are medium and yeah, I just, I, I kind of take everything that I love in the world and mush it all down together and, and find a way to make it all fit into the work that I do in the world. So that's fantastic. As a result, I spend a lot of time on, on social media. Yeah, that's excellent. So, I mean, one of the reasons I'm excited to interview you is just because you're an educator. I'm an educator. We've got that in common. Um, I think you've been in education about the same amount of time as me because I started a little later. You're a little younger. We won't get into our ages, but I think you've been in education <laughs> like 18 years or so. Is that right? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I graduated in 98. So, uh, yeah. And I've had two years in the middle of it where I, I was, I took two leaves of absence to go pursue other things in education. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Just about 20. It's going to be coming up on 20 years here being a part of the school where I've worked my entire career. Wow, the same school? Yeah. Yeah, I've been at the same school my entire career. That is impressive. That is, uh, you are not a man who uh, seeks out change. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that's the weird thing. Is I'm kind of, a, I'm kindly also weirdly addicted to innovation and like new, new ideas and trying to do things new ways. But I also like the comfort of doing it in a place that's very familiar that you've built trust and rapport with, so when you screw up royally, it has less of an impact. Yeah, that makes a lot of they're sense. They're willing to let you, you know, let, and that's it. You know, you kind of go, well, I could go here and maybe make more money, or I could go here and have a different job title, uh, or I could go here and maybe teach some different types of classes. But th- the beautiful thing about building a relationship in one place is, if you're 
if you're doing a, a, at least a serviceable job and hopefully a more than serviceable job, they they trust you. The community knows you. The kids know you, and uh, it it gives you some some room to try things and to expend some of that trust capital uh, yeah. in meaningful ways. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, people know you, they know who you are. They know that you like taking risks and challenges. And if you flop once in a while, they also know about all the previous successes that you've built up that trust with. Right. And they know that you'll endlessly apologize. Uh, <laughs> so there's always that. So tell us what exactly a design thinker means. And is that a, a term you created or is that an actual uh, term within the uh, internet uh, web world? Oh, no, no. It's, it's, it's a very real thing. Uh, it's, it's actually a term that comes from the world of design and product design and engineering and um, graphic design and such. It's human-centered, empathy-fueled problem solving. Oh, I love that. Tell us about how you got into, and I can draw some connections in my mind as an educator, but how did you get into the improv business, and what was, how did that start, and where are you going with that? Well, uh, let's see. I, it started as a glimmer in my mama's eye. Uh, I, I have loved comedy my entire life. I don't remember a time when I wasn't obsessed with comedy. Uh, in, in one form or another, but especially when I hit middle school, uh, Saturday Night Live, I discovered in the Dana Carvey years, uh, the Mike Myers cast, uh, the Wayne's World, uh, Chris Farley, like that era, those are kind of like my casts, right? Every, every Saturday Night Live fan has, has their cast, and mine was definitely the Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, you got Church Lady, you got Wayne's World. Um, and it was that, that era along with like Jan Hooks and, and, oh, I can nerd out about Saturday Night Live forever. But I, like, I was just at the right age to start watching it there. And then Nick at Night started showing it. Uh, Nick at Night used to show old shows, or at least what I thought were old shows. Uh, it turns out they were only about 12 years old at the time. Um, but they started showing, uh, the old, uh, first seasons of Saturday Night Live, uh, like at 10 o'clock at night on weeknights. Right. And so I just became like, I just deep dived right in and, and then it was Monty Python and it was all this other stuff. But I kind of had this like, this, you know, that fantasy that like kids have, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm going to hit a home run in the World Series. Mine was always going to be like, oh, I'm going to be a bit guy who walks on stage <laughs> on Saturday Night Live. You know, Sweet. I'm going to get to write a sketch or whatever. Um, and and things progressed and I, I was fortunate to get to to be uh, one of the MCs of our high school talent show, which was kind of like one of those like um, uh, golden like amulets, like you hope for this 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 great experience to happen to you. Maybe you know, and you watch every year, and you're like, maybe that could be me one year. And I got lucky enough to do that, and that just instilled this like love of performance. Just this one show that's I'd amazing. Done one year of theater, and I wasn't very good at acting. Uh, but man, that talent show just made me feel like a million dollars. It, it, the, the, the beat up nerd from, from middle school kind of took a back seat for an entire evening. And I rode that high from the, that performance or actually from the time we got cast, the time we, we got chosen to be the MCs and we wrote all the material for it and everything, um, right on through. And so 
So fast forward up into my first years of teaching and towards the end of my second year of teaching, I was asked if I would help put together a, um, a program of students doing sketches and potentially some improv games like you'd see on Whose Line Is It Anyway uh, to kind of round out the fall play evening because the fall play was a David Mamet play that was very, very short. And um, I said, sure. And that in turn led to now going on, let's see, that was 2000. So we're about 18 years or so of the Mount Blue Curtain Raisers existing. And we have a big, huge show in two weeks, plug, plug, if you're in the greater Farmington, Maine area, and you want to come see six improv groups perform next Friday night, or let's see, Friday night, May 11th, whenever this airs. Uh, it'll probably be well after this, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> it may just be. <laughs> may just be, and that's okay. But uh, but we, we started as a sketch comedy group, and then we transformed into an improv group. Uh, once I learned from Improv Boston, and... Uh, Took some courses there when I was on one of my my sabbaticals, leaves of absence, to go to grad school down in Boston with my wife. Uh, I studied at, at Improv Boston and realized that improv is my thing. It's what it, it, I just absolutely love it. I love it even more than sketch. Um, and uh, so I've been directing, and then a few years after after that, uh, I started my own improv group with some friends where we took former students of mine from the college and stu- former students of mine from the high school and mashed them together. And the Teachers Lounge Mafia has been together ever since, and we're in year 11. Wow. So That's a long, yeah, we, long gig yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. And we've been, we've had a core, there's uh, four core members that have been together the whole time, and everybody's on great speaking terms still, the other members. And uh, we, we added another another tour troupe and we perform all over Maine and New England and, uh, and parts elsewhere when the opportunity presents itself. So yeah, it's, uh, we, we play out about once every six weeks or so or more and we do everything from benefits to just adult comedy nights to, you know, big showcases to small theaters and everything in between. So, um, it's, it just, it hits a place for me that, uh, as a professional and as a dad and all these other things that I have going on in my life, um, improv lets me feel like I'm I'm on a stage and I'm performing and and being part you know one part of my best self um, without also requiring that I spend hours and hours and hours memorizing lines. <laughs> uh, I think it's fantastic. You know one. One part of uh, that whole story that I just love is just the fact that this, you know, particularly as an educator, one experience that you had the opportunity to do gave you this incredible passion and fire under you and kind of led to what you're part of what you're doing these days. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that we talk about those touchstone moments in our lives, right? Those moments that you don't even know that they're that important, you know, and sometimes we... We get hung up on like, oh, I don't know, the cliche about the quarterback and the one big game, you know, or the the shooting forward and the, the one big tournament and these sorts of things. And and I wasn't a student athlete, so I don't have I don't have those experiences, but I can empathize with them because yeah. I know what that night like for me. And 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 the high I rode off of that has been able to 
give me the confidence I needed to to do a lot of the other things that I've done in life because I did feel you know this like oh (laughs) oh that's what acceptance is like oh that's neat (laughs) yeah oh that's fantastic and you know I feel like I've met quite a few educators who have gone to improv classes just to work on being an educator being in front of a classroom all day long Um, and I know that that's kind of who I am in a way. I haven't had improv classes. I would love to do it. But like my kids joke about all the different voices I use all the time in my house. And I know I do it at work as well. Um, and you're, you're kind of putting on a show for kids. That's part of the uh, keeping them engaged in the lesson. Hey, people ask, how do you practice improv? And I'm like, uh, well, I work every day. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and every day I have a captive audience that I can work out work out bits and work out ideas with, uh, with, without them even knowing it. And, and probably <laughs> less opportunities of like rotten tomatoes being whipped at you. Although uh, it depends sub- on the school, maybe. Right. Substantially fewer. <laughs> uh, um, but you know, I also do, you know, as a result of that work, I, I now do improv workshops with educators all over the country. Um, Fantastic. and, and looping back to that design thinking, uh, I do a workshop. that's all about applying the principles of improvisation to the principles of design. Oh, that I is, have a, that's this, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I have this like three-tier three tier belief, just really simply. If you can do these three things and build capacity for these three things, everything else in your life goes easier, including improvisation. But it's about acceptance, communication, and trust. Awesome. And if you can build those three things, everything goes better. And if you're lacking any one of those three things as an improviser, it is not going to go well. Right. So, you know. That is cool. You know, I actually, I was in a leadership cohort um, at our district, and there were some other school districts that were a part of it as well. And one of the the pieces they did, one of the workshops was bringing in an improv artist who was amazing and drew so many connections to like brain learning through his improv Mm -hmm. and the activities he had us doing. So I'll put a little plug out for him. Stevie Ray in the Twin Cities is awesome, and uh, you ought to check him out. I'm sure he's online as well. Nice. I will do so. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think uh, many of the listeners know, because I've mentioned this before, oftentimes I have, every time before I have a guest on here, I have him fill out just a brief questionnaire so I can get a little info, and I like to do a little bit of research online and such, but I know you mentioned that you had four different pieces of mental health challenges for most of your life, it sounded like, which were depression, anxiety, anger, and then you included stress management. Yeah. So what? Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's like the trifecta plus the like, ooh, hey, let's just put some, let's just put a little like you know, frosting on top of all that, right? <laughs> when when you say uh, all your life, like w- how long do you think you've actually been dealing with those challenges? And how old were you before you like looking back and say, oh, that's what that was? Because I know when you're really young, you're having some of these issues and you don't even really realize what's going on. Yeah, well, uh, as a parent now, I'm able to recognize even more when I started to have it. Because <laughs> you know, right. I'm like... Oh, hey, hey, small child. I remember what it was like to be your age now. Oh, oh, that's right. Those were the thoughts in my head. That was unpleasant. Um, uh, I, 
I said in the in the form all my life. It hasn't really been all my life, but it was. It's been since fifth grade. Okay. Like I I I know when the when the worm turned. Um, like it it was uh, it was in fifth grade. Uh, my my dad had gotten a really great opportunity to work uh, in the southern part of the state and spent most of my my fourth grade year uh, down there. And this is one of those like we we lived up in uh, on the mid coast of the state in this town called Ellsworth. Uh, it's right on the way to, to Acadia National Park, if anybody's ever been there. Um, you've driven right through the heart of Ellsworth. And, uh, and so I grew up down there, and it's a, it was a pretty small city back then. It's still not a big city, um, but it's, it, uh, uh, it, it's grown up quite a bit even since then. And, um, but I grew up there, and I lived a your kind of prototypical uh, quasi-rural uh life of you know there's woods behind the house that i threw sticks around in and pretended i was he-man and gi joe and every member of the star wars cast and everything else in between um and then we uh we moved to portland into a very suburban neighborhood uh where i knew no one uh i moved in the middle of fifth grade which uh turns out might be the worst year to move really (laughs) Like, like, well, kids have, kids at fifth grade have, they've kind of established their social groups and there's kind of social norms. Uh, and you kind of show up, uh, just before Christmas, you know, like a month and a half before Christmas. Uh, but after, after fall sports have already started and yeah. All right. You, and, and it's in that, that time where you can't really sign up to do things in the winter because you missed that too. Uh, you show up at the school, you get shown around by a kid that turns out is the biggest dork in the school, but you didn't know that. <laughs> right. Um, cause you're just latching onto anything and anyone. Right. Uh, so you get this kind of like guilt by association. Um, and I, and I was admittedly one of the, as small as a community was, we kind of had the cool kids group, right? Like it doesn't matter how small, <laughs> small the community, there's always that one that one kind of cluster. Right. That was kind of my, the kids that I played ball with and, and did Cub Scouts with and went to all the stuff with and played on the soccer teams with. And we went to all the birthday parties. You know, there's that kind of, that that pocket. And then I went to immediately having none of that, not knowing anybody. And, uh, and the only kid that was my friend was a kid that no one else liked for some reason. I didn't know why. Um, and I immediately stopped um, playing uh, sports to any, you know, to any great extent. Uh, I became super sedentary. We had cable television. Uh, I uh, I took care of my sister every day after school. My younger sister um, walked her home, and uh, you know, we were latchkey kids for that for those few months that we lived down there. And and my parents were still wonderful and supportive and amazing people. I was just, I had no idea just how upset I was right. and how hurting I was. Uh, I had my first migraines at the, during that time. Um, didn't know this, what they were. Um, just would just be brutally ill, uh, kind of out of nowhere. Um, and really struggled would go from, uh, I remember I was supposed to do like a presentation for this gifted and talented program that they let me into, but they didn't think I was gifted and talented because I did such a bad job on my homework. Um, 
and then finally, like my records arrive from Ellsworth. They're like, "Oh my god, this kid's like really smart. What the heck? <laughs> like, why doesn't he do any of his homework?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's because I uh, am pretty much done with all of this and all the things, and I don't know why everyone j- won't just let me eat eat peanut butter baking chips <laughs> and watch Rambo cartoons." I d- th- that was a legitimate afternoon I remember having. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> like, can I just watch you can't do that on television and you all leave me enough alone? Um, but I got violently ill like the night I was supposed to give this big presentation. And it was so like and I remember even being like like broken by that. Like just like being so down because it was finally there was something that I had found that I could do that I was getting like that I felt like I was doing right and I was really excited about it. It was a project all about cartooning. And that's what I thought I was going to be like. That's why I wanted to kind of pursue as a as a maybe of a job later and um, or illustration. And uh, yeah, I got violently ill, and and uh, instead I sat at home and uh, tried to. My parent, my my mom actually went to the thing and took my project so that people could see it, which was really cool of her. And uh, uh, <laughs> I distinctly remember reading the TV guide. And for people who remember TV Guide, uh, it was this thing called the TV Guide, and it was a guide to what was on television. But it had this every week. It had this guide to all the movies being shown that week, no matter what channel it was on, and it was just alphabetical. Yeah, I remember those. I just remember reading that like cover to cover like nine times that same evening. Like wow. that's just where like I just that was that meant everything to me at that point was kind of being able to escape into this world of knowing a lot of things about stuff that no one else cares about but me. I started reading like Leonard Maltin's movie guide cover to cover. Like this that is not normal behavior of a fifth grade. You know? Yeah, I would agree with that. I would definitely <laughs> you know, agree. Maybe I should say typical behavior. This is pre internet kids, so this is how <laughs> we acquired knowledge. Uh but I was just I, I just was I was I was mad, but I didn't yell at my parents at that point. The way I kind of rebelled against things was just by not doing things. Mm. Um, but I, did, I put on a ton of weight. Um, and then we moved again because I think my folks were unhappy. Um, it turned out it wasn't just me. Okay. Uh, okay. And you put a, so it sounded like you were only there for a few months. And within that few <laughs> months, you had that violently ill situation and you gained a ton of weight. And was that just because you were so sedentary watching cable oh, yeah. and just oh, yeah. hanging out, oh. eating, not going out, not playing with kids in the neighborhood? It, that's exactly what it is. And you go from a lifestyle that's the opposite of that. Right. I was never, I was never a scrawny kid. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I was always. I always had a good little Joe on me. But, it's, uh, it's interesting because with depression, know. they talk about loss of interest of doing things you enjoy. Because in my mind, when you first said you didn't have friends, I was thinking, well, if you were athletic, you'd still go out and do the sports. But then again, you're going through this depressive state, really, when you're in fifth grade. And that is probably part of the, I'm just going to stay home and sit on the couch. And not, right. not even necessarily because you didn't have friends, because joining a team actually would have given you that exercise, the enjoyment that it had done in the past, and uh, and social the social piece where maybe you would meet people. Right, exactly. I mean, I played Little League, but it didn't mean, you know, I, I was terrible. I didn't, it didn't, I didn't invest in it. I didn't practice. Uh, because, you know, when you grow up in a town where 
where you know you go to your preschool and then you go to kindergarten, but your social group just forms around you because you you don't need to go find friends. Right. They just naturally have occurred as part of your experience, right? Your school experience, and if it's a small enough town, then all of your rec, you know, sports or or activities or every children's festival you go to, it's the same kids around, right? So, yeah, yeah. so so it's it's built in. Um, you don't learn how to socialize if you've grown up in the same town and gone gone to the same school, right? Um, there's no you you have had no need to right so completely unequipped to to make friends because I I've always just had them right <laughs> like, right I didn't know what that was like and fifth grade I mean these I'm going to school with kids wearing band T-shirts of bands I've never heard of like Rat <laughs> Bon Jovi <laughs> you know and and I'm like what who are these people? and it's because all these kids have been watching mtv right and, and right. i haven't you know i've been i've been very content to to get the two hours after school of watching gi joe and transformers and thundercats and the brady bunch and it's like you were transported the, to a whole different planet it sounds like it oh it was and it and it was at that time of of uh, exploding you know cable television and oh yeah uh, cassette tapes and you know, music was really accessible, and 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 TV was, you know, we had a UHF channel. What I know, right, it was right. crazy. Like all these things, and um, and then then fast forward eight months later, we move again. Oh my <laughs> god! So you were there for eight months, and then this time when you moved, did you move again in the middle of the year, or was this at least in the summertime, or what? This was at least in the summer. So we moved to we moved to Bangor, okay. uh, which is my mom's hometown. It's actually a town where I was born, but not where I had been growing up. Okay. And uh, uh, Bangor, Maine, home of Stephen King. Uh, really? All yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. There Shout you go. out there to Stephen King. Shout out. I'm sure Stephen he's King. listening. Hey, buddy. So we moved there for sixth grade, and uh, and so middle and high school, I was there in Bangor, and it's, you know, we my mom had a support system there, uh, and and my grandparents were amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing people, and uh, and my dad was back doing a job that he really loved, which was managing a retail drugstore, um, which is what he he liked. He likes people. He likes working with people. He likes meeting people's needs, and um, he wasn't able to do that in this corporate gig he had going for the same same company. But it just wasn't working out. So um, so we moved, and uh, uh, that time I got to move and be the new kid to start a year, which was okay but again you know sixth grade almost worse <laughs> yeah 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 was this a, a middle school situation or was it oh, the last grade of elementary oh no 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 oh that would have been too easy no 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 this had to be middle school yeah um so we have all of that and uh you know they were cutting you know you try out for a sport and you get cut and and the way it worked out for me was um i'd go through like an experience or school out of a younger sister uh I'd go through an experience in school and get to the move to the next school, and then they would change a policy in the last school I was in that would have made it so much better for me. <laughs> right. So, for example, like I go through three years of being cut from any sport I try out for. Um, uh, spoiler alert: I stopped trying out. And uh, <laughs> great for the <laughs> self-esteem, right? <laughs> oh, amazing! Right, yeah. and then then I, I get to high school. And the year my sister goes into the middle school, they start B squad, oh, which is nice, nice. basically junior varsity. So no one gets cut, right? No cuts, right? Uh, so I get to the high school and I don't try out for any sports because, again, 
we get cut from everything. Well, we get into the middle of the year, and I find out that no one ever got cut. From, no one gets cut from the soccer team ever. Uh, no one gets cut from the swimming team. No one gets cut from like all these teams, track team. No one gets cut from them. So I'm like, well, what the heck? Next year, I'll try out. Show up at soccer tryouts. <laughs> First thing they mention is. We're expecting a record number of people trying out this year, so there will be cuts. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> so oh. I went to one night of tryouts. The one night of tryouts. You know, this is not make Dan sound sad uh, story, but but all it's of this more just, it's more like the universe working against you. Well, that's how, and that's right. Well, and that's how it fell. And when you're an adolescent, yeah. And and you haven't you don't have a strong social group. Uh, I was really lucky to have Boy Scouts. Okay. Um, I wish I could say that. I, I wish I could say that that was a lucky thing all the way through. Uh, but they became an organization that I had to disassociate myself with because of, of their homophobia, um, which was really bothersome to me um, later yeah. on. Yeah, not, uh, the best, not the best reputation after all. In the end, no. Piece, I mean, and I was there during the "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" years, right? Like, just no one talked about it, right? Because um, you know, it was it was the pre nineties. So yeah, I was I, I was lucky to have that, but I was just a, kind of an adrift kid uh, who wasn't like he was when he was uh, in elementary school, and was deeply, deeply unhappy. And it was during sixth grade that I started getting really angry all the time. Okay, um, my, so what's my going? Anger stuff kicked in. What's going on at this point, like with your parents? Because it sounds like you you've got very loving, caring parents and a sister that you're pretty tight with. Uh, is the family picking up on all this stuff with you, and and how are they trying to support you? Well, they yeah they they uh, we ended up going to like some family counseling and like that stuff's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> we um we we were a very loving household, but we you know. Um, it's not till I got older that I realized that like every every household is really different, right? <laughs> and, and I mean, I get the vibe when I'd be at a friend's house where I was like, "Wow, their parents don't get along." Like this is oh, this is awkward because um, those those would happen, and, and Boy Scout trips often revealed uh, parents that were like, <laughs> "Wow, I'm glad that's not my dad." <laughs> right, um, right. Uh, my dad's amazing. What's wrong with yours? <laughs> that's. <funny>. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but my my uh, my folks uh, they they got along. I think they were. I know that they fought a lot, um, and I think it was a combination of a lot of change and uh, realizing now how old I am and the age of my children. And I'm thinking, would I have been equipped ten years ago to be dealing with kids that you know a middle schooler? Uh, right. No. Uh, I guarantee not. Uh, I'm barely equipped to handle my, my six year old and my 10 year old now. Uh, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm as old now as my dad was when I was graduating from high school. Which wow. Is a trip. Right. Yeah. And that just messes with my brain a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, but I think they were, they were, they were doing the best they could considering, all the other changes going on uh, for them in just in terms of professional life and living, you know, and living situation. And suddenly we're really near my, my mom's folks and, and my mom's folks were kind of like, you know, some, when you grow up in some families, uh, you have your family that's like, 
you have your grandparents that are the ones that you kind of grow up with. Right. And then there's the other ones. Yeah. And so my dad's parents were the other ones that ended up moving near us uh, later on, but but weren't in that kind of initial that initial imprint of this is grandparent and this is what grandparent does. Um, and then, but my mom's folks were, and my mom's folks were, we were super, super, super close, um, all the way, all the way through, all the way to they, they both passed away, uh, well into my adulthood. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh, so there were, so there was that support system that was there. Um, but they did not, I don't think they had any idea how to deal with me. Okay. <laughs> like, and I wasn't, and I wasn't, like my form of rebellion wasn't that like I'm gonna go get drunk and smash stuff. Right. My form of rebellion was I'm gonna go sit in my room and eat so much crap and watch cable and play video games and read comic books and spend all my allowance on uh, tabletop miniatures that I'm gonna paint and um, you know get I'm gonna get it I'm gonna mow lawns and I'm gonna spend all that money on more comic books and more junk food right right uh, and just leading a very uh sedentary unhealthy lifestyle and did your parents talk to you about that ever was that ever brought up as a a conversation or uh talking would not be the way i would describe it um it was more like uh why don't you you need to go outside you need to go do you need to go right like it was more like uh, directives okay. and uh, being frustrated with me, um, and uh, I, I um, yeah, my my folks, my dad was a my dad was a, they're both good at yelling. Uh, <laughs> my dad tended to be a, a yeller, and my mom tended to be more passive aggressive. Right, um, but both ended up in a yelling place, uh, which made it really good for me to get into a yelling place. Uh-huh. Um, and again, like these are not people who I like ever felt unloved by. Right. Like that right. was never a question. And, um, and would you defy just, them like in their face? Like, hey, you got to get outside, Dan. And you'd just be like, screw that. I'm staying in my room and I'm going to get some more hot Cheetos. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> in the life. Uh, no, I kind of go outside and then I'd ride my bike around the block like three times, get really sweaty and then <laughs> and then like come back in. And there, 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 like that was pretty much it. And also, run through the sprinkler, get a little wet, and grab a giant bag yeah. of hot Cheetos oh, and Takis. Oh, <laughs> here's the saddest thing I did. This was this was true story. Um, I told you, no holes barred. Uh, I was, I was well into my adolescence, uh, middle school, maybe even uh, freshman or se- or sophomore year of high school, and I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. I tell kids at school this story all the time to assure them that it's not a good idea <laughs> uh, is because I didn't really want to take a shower in the morning uh, for because I didn't like how I looked naked. At, like I didn't like looking at myself. Okay. Um, so I wouldn't take a shower. So I'd run the water. I'd stick my head behind the curtain. Uh, I'd stand in there for like, 10 minutes and turn off the water and walk out with wet hair that I then just let dry. However, and I couldn't understand why kids said I had a greasy head of hair. It made no sense to me. Uh, what? what are you talking about? I took a shower today. Uh, no, no son. You didn't. Huh? wonder what that body odor is. Could it be the kid who hasn't actually showered in a week, but has been going through puberty? That it is might funny. be him. 
You know? Like, oh, God. I work with middle school kids, and oftentimes a social worker will walk by me, and they'll be like, I will talk to that kid, yes, <laughs> about right? hygiene. Right? Uh, and and it's such a hard conversation to have with a kid. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had a kid show or a parent give you a call to say, my kid hasn't showered in a week, and uh, he said he got this idea from you, Mr. Ryder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, All right. Yeah, Whew. because I, be, be, because again, uh, <laughs> emphasis on this is not a good idea, kids. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just feel know, like knowing uh, middle schoolers, sometimes the knot flies out, and they hear whatever it was that you just said, other right? than the knot. <laughs> right. So yeah, so during that time, you know, I'm just I'm I'm sad constantly. I remember looking down at myself and thinking if I could just lose enough weight so I could see my feet. Like yeah. that would be a win. Like I just want to be able to see my feet. So there's and, the weight issue you talked about um you you were going to get into the anger too before I so rude. Oh yeah, well, off. So, so anger, how so, did that manifest? That manifested in sixth grade because I have I was I just felt completely powerless. I got picked on at school. Uh, kids came up with a nickname for me, which was initially endearing, uh, Bilbo. Um, hey, but, I, had uh, a, I had a sixth grade nickname, and I got picked on a lot, and people all thought it was in fun. I'm not quite sure, but I was the Pillsbury Doughboy. Oh, I was that too. And and back then, like apparently, because this happened to me. Sixth grade teachers could certainly do hands-on because uh, anybody listening out there who's local, I went to Cornelia School, and I, I actually love this teacher dearly, Mr. Wood, uh, was known as The Claw. So he would chase me down, make sure I was, he'd get me laying flat on my back. He would take out his claw, show everybody the claw, you know, one hand on the wrist and make the big claw, oh, yeah. and then he would grab me by my gut and lift me up off of the ground and my gut was bright red and i still remember maybe this is a little ptsd i'd need to work through running from him during recess getting to the corner of the classroom and he jumped up onto the desk and ran across the desks towards me just so he could do the the loving claw because there was somehow this loving piece to it you know like this is all in fun and i was the big target the uh yeah your terror is 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 our fun (laughs) Yeah, so, your your terror is uh, a little different now. I, uh, there are certainly some yeah. students I'd love to give the claw, but uh, oh, not man, gonna go like, there. Yeah, I uh, Mr. Willette was mine. <laughs> okay. yep, he he uh, he called me Truck because my last name is Ryder. Okay, um, all right. Which is a great nickname for an overweight kid. He would <laughs> right. uh, openly refer to when he was growing up. They called them biggies, but Danny, what do they call them now? Huskies, right? Um, <laughs> That would that would happen a lot, uh, wow. and and uh, yeah, they called me Bilbo, and I took it because I was like, oh, this is great, I have a nickname, right? They and I was named me. Bilbo because I did actually look just like the Rankin Bass animated uh, Lord of the Rings from the seventies. Okay. If you've if you've seen that 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 cartoon, uh, I did look just like Bilbo Baggins. Uh, it wasn't a lie, uh, but then uh, it didn't take long. For uh, adolescent males to figure out that Bilbo, if you uh, transpose the B's into D's, oh, I knew you were going uh, there. And middle school, of course, the hormones of raging, course, right? So Bilbo, and I didn't know what that, the uh. oh yeah, and then I didn't know what that meant. 
So they were just calling me stuff and laughing hysterically, and I didn't know what any of it meant. Um, To this day, Ryan Maha, uh, I think if I saw him today, he would still call me that. He'd be the only one. Uh, (laughs) And would you slug him in the head now, or how would you handle that? No, I would just look at him and go, you are such a sad, sad man. (laughs) Um, But he called me at, at, at our class reunions, and I was like, really, dude? Really, you We're know, a little like, old for this. Kid. And at both of my class reunions, I was in remarkably good shape. <laughs> um, so I was, I was like, oh, I'm not really sure you want to be going there, pal. Um, my wife is really hot, and uh, and uh, I'm looking okay. So um, take yeah. that, Bucko. Take that, Bucko. Got my revenge. But you know, at that time, they, you know, I, I get picked on at school, yeah. and if I did anything. To respond, fight back. It was the classic, the per, you know, the aggressor never gets caught. It's always the reactor, right? right? It's right. like you never get the, the the bully doesn't get caught. It's the bullied because the bullied is the one who turns and hits back, right? And then you're getting suspended because you hit back. But I didn't get suspended, but I get in trouble. I get tensions. I get my parents would get called about that I was causing a disruption. Yeah, the disruption I caused was I one point turned around and. Uh, yelled out after I had been poked on the head constantly every time the teacher at the front of the room turned around and wrote this was a Spanish teacher and wrote conjugations on the board right um every time turn around the entire row of students sitting next to me climbed out of their seats and would tap me on the top of my head as hard as they could and oh then God, I jumped up and awful. said cut the crap uh, I had stayed after for a detention for that, for oh disrupting the class and the learning. And uh, was told that if I do it again, I'll be off to the principal's office. Wow. Um, that was fun. Uh, but that was like, that's where that anger came from. And I get home just full, full of mad. And I would yell at my sister and I would yell at my mom and I would yell at my dad. And if they asked me to do something and I didn't want to do it, I'd yell no and they'd yell back. And it was, it was, it was yelly. It was yelly, yelly, yelly everywhere. Right. Um, just, you know, and I don't even remember what I get mad about. I would just, it, it would just, I would just go right from like seven to like 412 on the scale. You know, You're like, right. I'm walking around at a constant, like at constantly at six, right? I'm never at rest. I'm, I'm on the defensive. I'm in that lizard brain, fight or flight. The whole time uh, of, of really most of middle school uh, and really into my sophomore year of high school, I was probably in that same mindset most of that time. And uh, and that's when that anger just was like and – and it wasn't like I'd go to school angry. Teachers all thought I was the nicest kid and, oh, he's such a pleasure to have in class. He's so – intellectually curious and he's he, he he's such a good writer and he's such a good thinker and he's so funny and all this you know all these nice things they could say about me but the the same report would also be like but he you know if he just tried a little harder and if he just and if he just did this and if he just did that and and at the time you know looking back on now i was like well if i'd just been happy yeah right <laughs> right like if i if i could have just known pure joy um if people and, could have treated me like a human being right <laughs> Right. If uh, if 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 my quote unquote best friend at school at the time uh, didn't steal things from me, um, <laughs> <Right>. that, <laughs> that you know didn't didn't like uh, set people up, help other people steal baseball cards from my collection, 
when they come over because they knew I was easy to steal from. Uh, yeah, uh. you know, these are the kinds of things. You know, uh, you know, I started reading comic books big time at the time, and I had this one friend who got me into comics, and that was pretty cool. But this kid had bullied me relentlessly the year before. Wow. <laughs> so it was this weird, like, I don't know if I want to be friends with this guy because he really treats me like garbage. Yeah. Like, But he didn't at the moment, right? Like, he was pretty cool in the moment. And he had a, just a brutal home life, yeah. I figured out later. But, you know, didn't know at the time. Right. Uh, it was just like, no, that kid, you know, he picked on me in sixth grade. But in seventh grade, he was the reason I got into reading comics. And to this day... I'm a huge comic book nerd. Uh, I went to Infinity War the other day with my own kids and my best friend, and it was just like is every Marvel movie that comes out. My 14 year old brain is experiencing that true happy. <laughs> like it is, it is just bliss um, to watch those those movies and uh, and to to see the geeks inherit the earth. You know? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. So it's. Uh, but I wasn't equipped with any skills to deal with that anger. None. None. You know, and and were you, you know, were you dealing with with some anxiety about going to school, knowing like, oh, oh yeah. crap, here it comes again. I'm going to go into class. They're all going to pick on me. So were you were you trying to avoid school? Were you feeling other symptoms of like? I know sometimes kids get the stomach aches because they really oh, yeah. are getting bullied and don't want to go to school and. Oh, I had bouts with that. I had I'd have phantom illnesses for two or three weeks. Right. Um, I'd have times when I just didn't go. I just didn't go. Um, you know, I'd be sick. Oh, amazing! Amazing that I found my way back up uh, well enough to watch tons of television later in the day. Right. Um, and you know, did your what your parents uh, say about that? Did they ever push you on that? Oh, they did, and they no, you're going to school, um, right. and that would become a fight, and that would become a. You know, I, I didn't have any way of articulating what I was really going through. Right. Um, and and I don't know if they knew what I was going through. I again, like I think they were, I think they were going through their own stuff too because mm-hmm. they were fighting a lot about this thing and that thing. And and now as an adult, I kind of get the kind of stuff that they're fighting about. You know, things like why aren't you home on time? And I can't manage the house you know this isn't a one-person job but my job requires me to be here at these times and i can't do anything about that and you know like what do you want me to do and we need money for this and such and such and well you know it it was they fought a lot uh, right. about stuff that that married couples tend to fight about um but i didn't get what was going on and my and at the same time my sister just looked like she was having the most wonderful childhood ever right like like she's like in first grade second grade when everything is perfect you know everything's amazing uh there nothing is hard everything is fun uh there is no such thing as homework you know and and, do you think it really was that way or was that your miserable perspective everybody's got it better uh, than me no i think it pretty much was that (laughs) (laughs) okay all right like i no i i I really do i really think she had a a amazing childhood she was the right age to grow up in the neighborhood we lived in where there were a ton of kids her age um she they had there was a whole crew of them that 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 played every day together and and right up through high school and and even now there's she is still absolutely tight with two or three kids from that neighborhood that and and heck 
one of the later kids that moved into the neighborhood, he's on Broadway right now. Like, wow. so it's, yeah, he's in Come From Away. Um, Gino Carr uh, grew up, uh, he didn't grow up. He moved into, moved in in high school right across the street from us. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he, fortunately I get to meet him when I was like in a good place. So, so I don't right. harbor any ill will towards him. <laughs> and I got to go see him. Uh, my wife and I got to go see his show uh during uh their previews there on broadway it was amazing cool. and it's been very to see it be so successful but um but yeah it's uh it, it i think uh I, and i think when you're a kid that's hard because you're seeing a sibling have this amazing experience right or oh, what's yeah. perceived as such and uh not yelling at mom and dad and not getting trouble and not you know being sent to the room and not you know, having the long talk and not struggling with algebra one right? and, you know, and not struggling with a, a, an art teacher who drew on your stuff and took five points off. Cause they just didn't like how you drew that, Wow, that, you know, and junk like that, that I was dealing with. And that was there some I, bitterness I, there. Did you get bitter that, that she seemed to have it so good? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah, definitely. And, um, it, and and I think that you can't help but like unless you unless you're going to counseling or therapy of some sort, you can't help but like hold on to some of that right. for quite a while. You know, like you know, it's like ah, there's the, there's the the favorite kid, and then and then there's uh, the other one. Right. You know, like this is the one that they field test on, uh, and and <laughs> right. see what doesn't work, <laughs> and and here's the one who is oh wow she's athletic and she's popular. And she's apparently attractive. Uh, I find it impossible to comment on that particular aspect of my sister. That's weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we, uh, yeah, that, going through all that, the positive now, as horrible, miserable as I was, um, I did find solace in comics and, and video games and eventually music. Uh, not playing it and creating it, but listening. Um, I formed some really strong friendships uh, that that are now inseparable. Um, uh, you know, and and that happened late. In, one one of them uh, in middle school through through scouting. Um, you you kind of made it sound like the the challenges of mental health went through tenth grade. Is there? Am I wrong, or did did something happen after tenth grade where no, things well, started? No, you're, you're, well, things got a little better. Um, I got sick again. I got actually sick with an intestinal virus uh, when I was in, a junior in high school. I did a canoe race and I got brutally ill uh, with an intestinal bug and uh, lost twenty five pounds in ten days. Whoa! And let me tell you, kids, if you want the fast track to popularity. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, leave for vacation, uh, come back, uh, two and a half weeks later and all of your clothes are hanging off your body cause you're scrawny for the first time in your life. Uh, people notice and they notice in a good way, uh, when you're an adolescent. Um, right. so I highly recommend Giardia to all of your friends that <laughs> need, uh, need an au natural weight loss system. I think this is probably kind of like the shower story. Kids, don't do this. Don't go no, to a no, dirty no. river and drink no. a bunch of creek water. No, do not do that. <laughs> uh, I tell that story to kids often too. But what that 
what it did do though is when I got back to school, like I felt good about my body for the first time in my, since, well, the first time that I could remember ever having thoughts about how not good my body was. Right. Right. And, and it's not like I was, I wasn't scrawny. I wasn't tiny, but I felt comfortable in my own skin mm-hmm. and I could wear the t-shirts from the bands that I like. This was the grunge era, which was a really good era to be overweight. Um, cause you could wear baggy t-shirts and flannels <laughs> right. and right. So I could rock my Pearl Jam t-shirts and my comic book t-shirts and my flannels and my, my, you know, hiking boots and, uh, and it fit right in. Right. And, um, and that's it. That's what I found my, I found an aesthetic that was like super comfortable for me, uh, where I felt like I looked cool and I looked good. And I was listening to music that I knew was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a real big end. And, and so things did improve. I got a girlfriend, uh, I went through the thing where someone wanted to go out with me wow, and cool. I had to break up with, break up with them, right. which was crazy. You know, I got my driver's license, these kinds of things. And then I ended up with a really hot girlfriend, um, you know, in the middle of my senior year and people were like, really that guy? And <laughs> yes, yes, everyone, me. Um, and, and she and I were together until later into college when I met my wife and, uh, say la vie. Um, but, uh, uh, it wasn't again until later in college when I, again, I didn't know how to deal with anxiety. I didn't know how to deal with stress. I didn't know how to deal with anger or, or any of that stuff. And it nearly destroyed the relationship that I've had with my wife now for oh, 25 years. Wow. 19, let's see, 1995. So we've been together since 95. Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, nearly, nearly ruined our relationship multiple times. So you were dating um, her in college. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it almost ruined it in college. And even since then later in, in oh, your marriage. Oh yeah. 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 Like wow. bad. Okay. Really. Bad. Um, again, like peaks and valleys, yeah. right? Like, uh, until you, until you start getting equipped with some skills to deal with it, you don't, you don't know why. And, and another, you know, like uh, most of the people who know me, know me professionally, they know this kind of happy-go-lucky guy for the most part. And every now and again, people at work have seen me in my bad spells, right? But like people that I meet on the conference circuit, you know, going doing teacher conferences and stuff. Oh, he's such a nice guy. He's always so like funny and goofy and, you know, amiable and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people know me, like my know that it, it gets dark and I have my dark, my, my you know, my dark my dark times too. Um, so when you mention it, kind of it, it sounds like it's a bit cyclical. And how would you describe that? I mean, are you going like a full year without any kind of depression at all, and then it hits you, um, or how would you describe your cycles? Oh, it would be more like six weeks. Um, six weeks good. Yeah, six weeks good, and then like four weeks bad. Um, but I, I, I was kind of in denial that it was depression. Okay. I didn't know, and I definitely hadn't even thought of it being anxiety. And never did anything, just kind of worked through it on its own, let the time kind of pass, and then it would cycle out, and then it would come back, because you're not, I would imagine if you are not recognizing and acknowledging it, and not even um, intentionally masking it, but you're kind of plugging through it, um, definitely probably not doing, doing any strategies to battle against it. 
Oh, none. Right. Zero. In fact, doing all kinds of things that are actually really bad in retrospect. Self-medicating? Right? Um, a little, but not really. Uh, my dad's a recovering alcoholic. Okay. Um, so I've always been deathly afraid of becoming an alcoholic, and right. I do have an addictive personality. Yeah. Um, I became addicted to uh, surfing the internet. Like, I would just spend hours following rabbit holes uh, of anything. Yeah. Uh, just mindless. Uh, video games, uh, violently angry at Madden, like mm. for several years, right. which to some people is like, well, that's just playing Madden. I'm like, eh, mm. <laughs> when your wife says, I don't want you to buy the next one because I don't want to hear it. Right. Like, I don't want, like, that should be a, like a signal and you're lined up at 5 a.m for the next uh the next version of madden coming out right at best buy (laughs) oh yeah oh no it was never quite that bad but oh the hours i would spend like it would be you know get home do my correcting do my planning and then stay up way too late playing grand theft auto and madden and uh, this was the era of this like ps2 era right or like first it was ps1 and then ps2 and i just like i channel it all into that uh and and your anger and everything i'd be yeah and i'd be angry at the games and i'd be angry at her and i'd be angry at this and a lot of it was just like a lot of it was and and i wonder how true this is for other for for other folks um who kind of grew up the way i did where you kind of you're having a childhood, and then your childhood gets kind of derailed, not in a violent way, not in a, um, you know, in an abusive way, but right. just in this way that it just takes a turn that is a totally different trajectory. A huge and, upheaval of, of everything you know as a right? kid. And, and then you don't quite start to feel a sense of normal again until you're in your late teens and early 20s yeah or connectedness probably right i mean there was so much isolation well you know and you go through right it's so much isolation right and then you go from being the nerdy kid all the way through middle school and most of high school you get to college and you get like you're not cool because you can't even imagine yourself being considered cool but you're at a pretty small rural college campus and most everybody knows who you are right and that's pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 you're running the school newspaper, and that's, and that's that sense cool. of connectedness, right? right? You're going to walk down right? campus, and you're going to be able to recognize faces at least, and give a hello, and and it's a feeling exactly. of being connected, right? Right, right? Yeah, which huge. is intoxicating as yes, well, yes, right? And it makes you make not the best choices about how you spend your time, <laughs> right? Because right. you. You you get you get that rush you get that high that every other kid you feel like has been experiencing their entire life right but this is your shot this is it and if I screw this up if I don't become friends with everybody if I am not well liked by everyone then it's all going to go to crap here in the next you know tomorrow right right and that carried right over into my first year of teaching every need everybody to like me if everybody likes me everything will be okay. Get everybody to let you know, just 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 be liked by everybody, and and be liked by everybody while still trying to be authentic, right? Like, so so then I started compounding my anger and my 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 lack of esteem with lying and lying about things I didn't need to lie about, you know, 
uh, I didn't get kids' papers dumped. I want kids to like me, so I come up with some cockamamie excuse why I didn't finish grading. Right. Right. White lie doesn't matter, right? Except that that's a, a lie. So mm-hmm. then there's a guilt associated with the lie. You have to remember the lie, and then and then you have to remember that you already used that lie. <laughs> right. So there's right. this whole economy. Wait a minute, your dog ate my homework last week. Don't tell exactly. me your dog ate my homework again. <laughs> right. And then that, if you don't realize that you're struggling with anxiety, oh, oh boy, then we're talking like, ooh, the cocktail that dreams are made of. Oh, wait, I meant nightmares. <laughs> right, um, right. Right? Like, so so I'm in my early years of being a professional. Um, I've got people that, that think the world of me who I hardly even know uh, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> well, not to mention the stress of a new teacher. Right. Oh my God. Like, right. It's a whole new, whole new thing. I'm making less than twenty thousand dollars a year full time work. Right. Um, so, uh, granted, it was the late '90s, but that wasn't that long ago. Right, it wasn't right. very much money. Um, but I'm I'm in a school that I really love. Uh, I'm in the town where I went to college, so I already know the town well enough. Right. I still have connections back at the college, so I have a lot of support systems. I've got an amazing girlfriend uh, who eventually becomes my wife. Um, but I'm getting to know all these people at work and, you know, I'm having these like conversations with people that are 25 years older than me and, and they're suddenly my colleagues and my peers and not just these other people I know. Right. right and right. like, what a trip for yeah. a kid. Like, and I was a kid. I mean, I was, and that's where I was kind of going earlier is like, I didn't really have an adolescence in the, the high school version of adolescence until I was teaching. Mm-hmm. Like, like I feel like like that late bloomer type thing, like like almost almost like college was my middle school years, and my first like five years of teaching were high school. Right, right. Yeah, like like I, I screw I, and and I did stuff on the weekends that dumb kids in high school do. <laughs> you know, I drank too much. Uh, we part, yeah, you know, we partied hard on the weekends. So, uh, do you think some of that was yeah. the self medicating, or was that just the popular fun guy hanging out with people? Uh, I think it was a little bit of both. I uh-huh. think it was popular fun guy hanging out with people and, oh, how much more people like you? Yeah. The, the, the little more tips you are and how much easier it is to, to say things that you might not cop to. Right. Uh, otherwise. And how much fun is it when you and your girlfriend get a little too drunk and how much fun is it anxiety. when, right. And yeah. how much fun is it when all of your friends, you know, you and your friends are like, Oh, dude, let's go do a beer run right now. If we run now, we can get down there before it closes. You know, just <laughs> right, right. We were be doing dumb college things that we really didn't do in college because my closest friends, except for my girlfriend, never went through that phase. Like my girlfriend did that kind of crazy stuff before we started dating. But once we started dating, we went to parties, but we didn't have those like raucous, insane nights. Right. You know that, that you know. I never had those. Those all happened for me after I was a professional and my Friday night to Sunday morning were just like, who knows what, you know? Uh, And, and, uh, you know, going to the local bars and, and everyone's out dancing and, you know, and, and people are making like, people are saying things to you that you're like, wait, what? Did you just say that to me? Did you, did you just say those things to me? Like, you do know that I'm a colossal dork, right? Those aren't things, you know, and like, like, 
did, did someone just come on to me? That that was she's hitting on me. Like she knows that I'm with like that's my girlfriend over in the corner. What what? Wait, people hit on me? That's not a thing. Right, right. <laughs> I'm the awkward. Wait until the you you're certain that the girl likes you that you can ask out because you don't dare ask if she might say no because mm. you can't suffer the humiliation. Uh, so all of that is happening all at the same time, and and I had no real skills to deal with any of it. And, and as a result, I did really dumb stuff, uh, stupid male, typical male idiocy involving computers and the digital age. And, you know, you just, you just make dumb, 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 dumb choices sometimes. Stupid uh, things like, are you talking like digital theft or something? Or oh no, no, got it. I did Napster, but but uh, they never caught me on that one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I just downloaded. I never distributed. Um, so what types of stupid things uh, are you talking? Oh, oh, the wonderful world of adult entertainment on the internet. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, right, and so okay. you just you're like, you know, and they find you don't understand how search histories work, and then right. things are seen, and you're having to explain and. This is explained to your girlfriend or wife or, or a girlfriend at the time, right? Yeah, like, the okay. long, like long time girl, right? Like, yeah. And you're trying to explain how that history was on there, but it wasn't you and you guys don't have kids yet. And it must've been right, your buddy no was over there kids. last week. Right. <laughs> and you know, the internet's a weird place, you know, maybe someone else was logged in as me into our computer <laughs> yeah, in our apartment. Right. Um, you just but really dumb. And then again, lying about stuff, right? Like rather than just copying to it and being like, this is the deal. And then because when I finally got to a place where I felt like I could, I could own some of that and like admit to it when I get caught doing it, mm-hmm. um, be, because, uh, she was so hurt and upset because I was a dumbass <laughs> in how I went about, uh, doing it, dealing with it whatever. Um, we could never have a conversation about why I was even doing that and why I was, why I was in these spaces and why I was looking at this stuff and why, you know, like, and, and, and like, it had nothing to do with her. Mm -hmm. It had to do with, with me just being kind of confused and not sure about a lot of shit. (laughs) Like, like just a lot of stuff was just not, not, not gelling in my brain. And I was, I was kind of, and I wasn't sure why. And, um, but I ended up, you know, lying about a lot of that stuff and it really, and at the same time with the anger and stuff. And finally it got down to an ultimatum where she said, look, if we're going to keep going, you have to get help. Was this before you were married? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Before I was married, uh, uh, because we went through some rough, some rough stuff around all this. And I just like, I didn't feel like I could propose to her. Like, right. You, you don't, I, I was smart and savvy enough not to, to know that a proposal is not a solution to a thing. Right. You know, right. Right. So she gave you that ultimatum and you kind of, agreed with it or knew it was coming yeah i said all right so i started going to a counselor uh, for therapy that was you know okay Uh she was she was a fine lady but that got me to at least to buy into counseling and then uh uh we got married uh i I got i got well enough in my noodle to so that we got we got married i wasn't on meds or anything i still didn't know that it was anxiety and depression i was dealing with um just doing talk therapy. Yeah, it was talk therapy. So uh-huh. she didn't. She wasn't diagnosing with anything. 
or, or anything like that. Um, she wasn't a psychiatrist. The topic though of depression never came up or, or anxiety. Um, it was, it was a lot of that classic, like, how's this making you feel? Okay. And, and, um, why do you think you, you, you know, and, and I, I think a lot of what you're upset about and, and I think you're, a lot of these are unresolved, um, things with your past. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I've, going back to that whole like living up to other people's expectations, uh, the person growing up that I, whose whose expectations I most wanted to live up to was my grandfather's. Okay, and and I had some formative moments in my adolescence where I did not live up to his expectations. Right, uh, and those just imprinted severely. Uh, again, completely loving guy. He, everything he said to me or or, or 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 was all this frustrations with me were coming from a place of love. But, you know, when you when you disappoint your grandfather because you seize up the, the lawnmower engine because you didn't check the oil because you're lazy. Right. Uh, when you shovel the dirt uh, in a big enough shovel full uh, and you overhear him telling your mom you haven't even taught him how to shovel dirt. Um, you know, these are these are things yeah. that kind of stick right. when it's when he's the subject of your idolatry. And, uh, you know, and and you're you're overhearing it because you're 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 in a room at camp with thin walls and you're in a back room reading comics and they don't know that you're hearing everything is being said ah, right like right. And, and it's that kind of stuff that like really like set in you're not good enough you're not good enough you're not good enough even though they were you know they never they never not loved me and there's always been support for, so you, for anything you definitely had a, a lot of self self-esteem issues and the self-image issue with the weight i mean that's a lot on a young young person yeah yeah and and think about how many kids i mean you know right like we're we're, we're around kids who are dealing with this stuff all the time oh yeah right and there's there's no easy way to get help with any of it right like like the, the hurdles that kids have to jump through to get to talk about any of this stuff yeah. is crazy. And if they're not in crisis in a visible way, it's it's damn near impossible to get any sort of help. Yeah, And even uh, when they are in crisis, sometimes it's damn near impossible or it's a three week wait for a bed or it's this or that. I mean, it is really, really challenging these days. Right. Yeah. It is really, really hard. So, um so yeah, so these so so, so how um, long were you seeing this therapist yeah. and uh, oh, a couple of years probably, if that, maybe a year, year and a half. Uh-huh. And um, were things getting better? Was that helping with your anger and your dealing with your girlfriend at the time? I I think what was really helping was the fact that I was working on it and she saw that. Right. So just the virtue of that was an improvement. Yeah. But I'll tell you what changed my life um was a few years later. We get married, uh I see an ad in um, I see an ad for uh, adult egg class in in self hypnosis. Okay, and how and, long ago was this? And this would have been two thousand two, two thousand yeah, about okay. two thousand two. Because um, we got married in two thousand one, so about two thousand two, and I took this class. Uh, Don Jepson at Franklin County Hypnosis Center in uh, Wilton, Maine. You're really, cheap. really good at sneaking in these plugs. I love you like, it. You like that? You like that? And uh, she saved my life. Like, that is awesome. She truly saved my life. Wow. Like I, I, I wasn't. I can't say that I was suicidal. Um, uh-huh. But I can say that I can say that 
saved the a marriage. The trajectory I've been through it saved my marriage. Yeah. It it saved uh, it saved a lot. Right, uh, she helped right. she helped me get to the root cause of a lot of the stuff that was going on for me and ways to actually take action and do something about it. And this was through self self hypnosis. So it's not actually right. a therapist hypnotizing you. She's well, teaching you how to hypnotize yourself on your own. Initially, it was self, right? And then okay. I started to see her clinically to to get help. Um, because I, I needed it. Uh, and she would I, use I, hypnotism on you as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And it's, and it's, it's, you know, hypnotism is really guided meditation. Okay. It's, 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 uh, there's so much about it that's, you know, if you could ever get like a trained, uh, hypnotist on here, like a trained clinical hypnotherapist, right. Um, it, there's so much about hypnotherapy that people don't understand. Um, it's not like a cult. It's, it's no, no, no. Like, My mom ages you know. ago used a hypnotist ages ago to quit smoking. And then all of a sudden when she quit and it worked and she quit and she started gaining a ton of weight. So she went back and then the weight wasn't an issue either. Um, so, I mean, I'm definitely a believer in it as well. Right. Tell us what it's like. What what is a session like when when she's gonna hypnotize you? Like, is there the old school? So, you you imagine like a ball in front of your eyes. Watch the ball. Actually, there's there's all these different um, induction methodologies. Okay, and um, uh, they all they all vary. But really, it starts with with just conversation about what is it that you're working on, what is it that you want help with, and um, she uses. Um, she uses a method with me that um, is is a, a a voice based induction where she walks me through and guides me through uh, visualization, uh, takes me into a place of um, meditative trance where I can communicate with my subconscious and help work on. Um, the problem, whatever problem is that I want to want to wrangle with. So she guides me through, she helps me relax. She takes me through like this, um, induction, they call it, that gets me down into that place of, of focused, uh, meditative trance where I'm able to, to, um, interact in my subconscious. But while, while my conscious mind is kind of taking a break and it's kind of chilling out off to the side. And then, um, we we go in and we do some work. So are you engaging in a conversation with her while you're in this hypnotized state? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. And she, and and it, it, it can work in all different ways. Again, a lot of it's based on we go back all the way back to what we're talking about design, right? Like and 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 user centered. Um, it's it's about the it's about the user. And it's about the client and what the client needs. And the hypnotist trying to f- kind of gauge and figure out what methodologies work best with this particular client. Because mm. everybody's subconscious works differently. Everybody's right. conscious mind works differently. We're all wired a little different. Um, but there are patterns that, that work well. And it's been cool. Like, I've, I mean, I've, I've learned the techniques. I've, I've helped friends to do relaxation. Um, uh, I know my... You know, I, 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 I know the patterns, I know the kind of rhythms, um, I know the, the visual induction methods. Um, it's been, it's been really powerful and helpful to me. And it, the, the most important thing about hypnosis is it, it lets you take action. Um, 
And it was really important in me understanding things about my anger. Um, it was, it was Don who really helped me accept the fact that, that, uh, uh, my, my my wife was really concerned that I really need to go on medication eventually about my my anxiety and my depression because it was affecting it was affecting my kids um, because I was so stressed out about so many different things all at once um, and this is you know this is fast forward now like ten years so this is just like in the last five years um, where um, the, the benefits of social media yay you get to be known uh, the the harms of social media yay you get to be known. Um, right. You, you have to. Uh, you sound, if you struggle with the things that I've struggled with through my adolescence and into my early adulthood, uh, it's, it doesn't take very long for a lot of those imposter syndrome feelings to come raging back. For a lot of those um, feelings of wanting to be accepted and liked by everyone, and uh, to come come raging back, and. Um, and then you're adding on to the stress of having two small children and you're adding on the stress of um, not being the happiest you've ever been in your job. And um, you add on the stress of feeling like you need to be making more money so that you can provide for your family in the way that your parents provided for you. And you know that your current paycheck won't allow that, but you don't want to leave your job. And what do you do? And, you know, all this stuff. And you just keep piling and piling and piling. And even though I was equipped with my self-hypnosis techniques – and even though I had got myself into physically better shape um, for a while there, um, for quite a while actually, um, it just all took its toll. And uh, I was experiencing extreme highs and extreme lows all the time um, where I would just be, you know, I'd sob at night, like just by myself, like just, just falling apart. And it was... And I can't even remember what it was that, that, that triggered it. It was just be, I would just be so down and so upset. And then I might yell and I'd be apologizing. I didn't mean to yell. And then I'm taking stuff out of my kids. And my, my wife grew up in a very not yelly household. And I grew up in a very yelly one. So learning to be a parent, all that just combined. At the end of it, Don just really helped, helped me go, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to take a medication. Like, like I know you haven't wanted to because you're afraid that what that will do to your your brain chemistry for being creative, but I think it's time. <laughs> like, Before you jump into the meds piece, which I'm really interested in hearing as well, how long did you see the hypnotist, this hypnotherapist, and and how frequently? Oh, ongoing, uh, off and on, with stretches in between. Uh-huh. Since since then, I mean, I still go to see her. Wow. Um, okay. I, I, yeah, and be, but I'll go like a month in between or six weeks sometimes. But when, it's been when several. Are, oh, I mean, quite a few years then. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's and it's it's. She moved out of the area at one point. She moved back. I stayed loyal. And do you <laughs> like, go? Do you go see her when you're feeling good? Even just to check in yeah, and, yeah. and do it, you yep. do. Okay. And yep. do you find yep. that that it's sometimes it's even better to go when you're in a healthy place rather than a, oh. a depressed state? Absolutely. And we don't always do, you know, we got to a place where we don't always do, um, we don't always do induction. You know, we, we, we often will just, um, we often just talk. Yeah. Um, because we got to that place of trust and she can say, you know, you're not doing your self work. And I go, I know. And she goes, so 
you might want to do that. Right, <laughs> go, right. You're absolutely right. You know, like she can be super frank with me. Uh-huh. Uh, she knows all my uh he, she knows all my shit. And, and you like, described you, know? you described it as um, similar to guided meditation. So, for example, if I or any of our listeners do guided meditation, is that essentially self hypnotism, or is it is are there other pieces? It's very similar. Okay. Um, really, the thing that that distinguishes the two is that when you're doing self hypnosis, you're going in with the intention to do action and do work. Uh, in your subconscious, like you have something you want to work on versus the idea of, I just want to go to a relaxed place. Right. Or I just want to think of nothing like Zen meditation, right? Like, like just em- that, that emptiness, you kind of get to the same, your, 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 your brain waves are getting to very similar places. The difference is when you're in hypnosis, um, you're, you're able to be an active agent in your subconscious more than you typically are in a guided meditative state. Can you give us an example, like what kind of action you would be going into a meditation with? Oh, so like I have a place that I go, um, it's called the gazebo and it's just this like representation of this gathering place in my subconscious. Yep. Um, and when I'm there, yeah, it's my happy place and I can interact with other people that appear there, other, other characters from my subconscious, um, other parts of my personality like manifest themselves as okay. as characters. Um, so I can talk to, with my anger, or I can talk with my my sadness, or I can talk with these. You know, it's very inside outy. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but also, you know, I I I've become a believer in past life um, experiences. I believe that energy is constant, right? Just like all physicists do. Uh-huh. And so when the body goes, the energy's got to go somewhere. Right. And I think, uh, for whatever reason, uh, energy can transfer from one, 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 one uh, consciousness to another. How that's transported, how that moves, I'm not sure. I've got theories. We could go into them, but we don't need to. Right. Um, but it, but you know, I completely believe in in uh, past life uh, therapy, regression therapy. Um, uh, we do this thing called parts work, where these different sides of myself uh, kind of converse. And, uh, and I, I interact with these different parts of myself and try to reconcile them um, to find out what's really going on, what's the underlying, like, why am I feeling so tense about a situation that seems on its surface to be something easily resolved? Right, um, right. And discover, oh, wait, that's what I'm actually pissed about. <laughs> a lot of introspection, <laughs> right? it sounds like. Yeah, and it's and it's powerful. And it's really great if you're creative, yeah. um, you know, uh, and I consider myself one. Uh uh, if that's your your mindset and your your way of being, um, it's extra helpful uh, because you can just you can see so much. Um, you can it's it's easy to visualize, and in that visualization, um, if you're a visual person like me, that's that's where things get revealed, and um, it's it's really powerful. It doesn't work for everybody. Um, people who have very strong willpower really struggle with it. Right. Um, because they have a hard time letting go. Uh, I'm, uh, I have the backbone of a chocolate eclair, so it's very <laughs> easy for me to just like, yeah, you know, sure. Someone else wants to take the driver's seat. Okay. You know, let, right, that's fine. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm amiable. Just want to make you happy. Uh, so sure. Subconscious take over. My biggest trouble is, um, I get so relaxed and I, and I, I, 
I'm involved in so much stuff in my life that often I'll go to a, a session now and I'm so tired. As soon as she starts to put me under, I just fall asleep. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and people who are like, oh, I'm worried what will happen. I'm like, well, this is what will happen. You'll fall asleep. Right. Like that's the, the worst thing that happens to you in a hypnosis session is you don't go under mm-hmm. or you fall asleep. Like mm-hmm. those are the only negative outcomes. Um, especially with a, with a good trained and it's uh, not a big deal right so what you fell asleep not a big deal yeah There's not another a big session deal. in there not um so then you were going to fast forward us and i shut you down once again oh no it's to okay the, uh, no, no, to no, the medication no. i talk a lot dude you're gonna have to, to do some editing <laughs> <laughs> to the medication piece where you said it's just about five years ago and it was actually your hypnotherapist that uh kind of convinced you to consider meds yeah well it, yeah yeah she, tell us about that well, she just, we were working through the stuff and this was probably, well, it was probably five years ago. Things were getting really bad. And then just, it was just in the last couple of years that I finally, um, I worked, uh, she, she kind of said, you know, you, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, uh, and, and also my, I mean, my wife is really, uh, should really get credit for like being like, look, you need to do something differently, period. Um, and uh, she's a very smart lady. Yeah. <laughs> and, like something's got to change. Right. And she, and she has developed an exceptional callus uh, to me <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. the years. And if, and if, if my behaviors have, 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 have made that painful um, and worked their way through that, mm, not so good. Right, um, right. But I'm really fortunate to have a really good uh, general practitioner as well. Nurse practitioner who, who worked with me to find just the right thing. And I, was able to roll the dice and got the right med on the first try and got the right dosage on the second try. Okay. Um, Tell us about your so, experience with the, the first time taking medications. Did it take a long time to kick in? They talk about sometimes oh, four no. to six weeks. It took, <laughs> it took four hours. Really? I took it at 10 in the morning and at four in the afternoon I was flying like, and not, like in a good way, it, I, it, it really messed up my system. My system responds really intensely to any medication. Okay. Like an Advil is like dropping PCP. Right. Um, like uh, it's, 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 it, it, I really have intense reactions to meds and uh, this is no different. Uh, I took 150 milligrams of Effexor the first time I, I took it and uh, it just rocked my socks and not in a like oh i'm in so happy mood i'm like what is wrong with my body why am i i'm having cotton mouth and wet mouth and all these other mouths all at the same time and uh i can't feel my feet uh and my now my back hurts why is my back hurt why am i feeling this why and it just my body was a mess had they warned you about some side effects and were these any of the ones they warned you about uh, no, cause they were, they really were like, wait, you're experiencing what? And I'm like, yeah, I don't. And I, and I honestly, I didn't call them after the first time. Uh, it was like three days later, four days later. Cause I thought this is just what happens. Right. Um, like this is just my body doing this thing. Um, but I couldn't stay awake. I couldn't focus. I couldn't do my job, uh, because of the med. And I knew I needed the meds because I knew that they, they did help me not feel all that stress and anxiety um and, and and i did not have one of those like i just feel dead inside moments uh it, it didn't it didn't um it was a physical reaction that i couldn't handle mm. was my problem it wasn't uh, emotional 
Um, but I was stressed out because I was writing a book at the time, and uh, I needed I had, was on deadline, and I couldn't I couldn't function. Right. Um, but again, that's why having good people around you and having a good support system made the calls, got the get the meds shifted, and um, the first thing I noticed was the first day that I forgot to take my med, and how just off everything felt, and I realized, oh my gosh, this that's because of my meds. Like they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm. And I could feel the anxiety creeping in. And I was like, Oh, Oh, that's not good. Like I didn't take my med. Um, and I've also been really, really open with my students about it. And it's remarkable. Um, not that I ever would ask a kid to tell me what they're on or, or anything like that, but just to be open with them, you know, I'd say like, and today's good lesson plan brought to you by the power of effects or 75 milligrams daily, you know, <laughs> like, you know, or, or we're having a tense moment in the class and I handle it without raising my voice and without like losing my cool at all and things get resolved. And then I'll say, you know, this conflict resolution brought to you by the power of effects or, um, you know, and just uh, just to say, like, it's okay to admit that we that we, you know, it's, it's what this whole show is about, right? It's about breaking stigmas and and being okay with admitting to mental illnesses and being being okay to to admitting that you that we all need different forms of help. And the most important thing is finding the right type of help for you and and having no shame. In- yeah, I I am uh, much more open these days with students and their parents as well right yeah Uh, it's been liberating for me it's been great to be able to share with you know staff the advocacy work i do i mean this morning i was in a meeting and i was like hey don't forget it is may it is mental health awareness month it's been going on since 1949 yet many people including behavioral um, specialists don't know it (laughs) so spread the word how long have you been on the medication um, just over a year, okay. two years. All right. I, I've lost track. And things are smooth now. Yeah, they're 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 not bad. Um, yeah, we're and just. You- I'm about to try a different dosage. Actually, um, the thing that's been the hardest, uh, since we're in full disclosure mode, is I put on a lot of weight in the past two years. Um, and uh, I was in really good shape in my mid to late thirties. Um the best shape of my life. And, uh, that's all falling to crap <laughs> yeah. after I turned 40. It really like it. Yeah. It's like, you know, um, something just clicked off. Right. Um, to make it harder. So that's been my struggle, uh, is dealing with that and, uh, and trying to get myself back into back into, um, I don't even need to be in fighting shape. I, I could be, in like uh, fair to midland shape and yeah. i'd be happier than i am right now right. um but that's taking its toll on the old mental the mental health too so so we're experimenting with a, with with the meds a little bit and trying a little different dosage and a different a different uh instead of the the uh long how they call it it's going to be extended release extended release yes uh-huh. i'm not extended re- releasing I'm quick onsetting or whatever they call it, immediate okay. release. Um, we're going to try that out uh, and see if that. What I'm what I'm concerned about is that I, I love running, and uh, and I'm too heavy to run on my knees the way that I want to. I know I'm I know I'm playing like the 
playing the odds here that I don't have an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I love it. It's the only form of exercise that I truly enjoy right. that I, that I get a spiritual lift out of. Um, and I haven't had that lift. Like I've gone running, but I haven't had the lift. And okay. I'm worried that, that, that my meds might have something to do with that. Uh-huh. Um, cause I run late in the day. Uh, and if it's on that extended release, like where's my, you know, like I'm just not, and, and I use that high to motivate me to eat better and to exercise. Right. Right. Cause you can't exercise your way to the weight loss. You, you've got to eat better and then you've got to exercise. Yeah. Like, like the key is package deal, right. You got to eat, eat well, eat, eat, eat proper foods and and have lower calorie intakes for a while. So you can get yourself to where you want to be. Right. And, and, uh, and, and all of those things, like I've been craving carbohydrates and I found it very easy to, to, you know, appease my feelings, right. uh, in food. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're, so that's, that's the next challenge. That's, that's the struggle goes on, but, uh, but you know, other things are really good, you know, so. So life is good. I've got a book out. I've got. I get to go all around the country and talk to other teachers and and get to go play other schools and and I have to. I have my dream job right now at my school. That's awesome. Um, you know. So this is this is a little odd. Like you've plugged everybody and their mother, and you haven't even told us the name of your book. I don't think. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> so the name of my book is. I co I co-authored this book with my good friend Amy Burval. Okay. Uh, the name of the book is Intention: Critical Creativity in the Classroom. It was published uh, last June by EdTech Team Press. Uh, it's available on Amazon and Ingram, and uh, where all better books are sold. Fantastic. And uh, it's a uh, it's two thirds of it. Well, I should say the first third of it is the theory and philosophy of what we mean by critical creativity and what we call rigorous whimsy. And the idea of using creative expression to deepen content understanding, whether you're in a kindergarten classroom or you're in a in a postgraduate uh, learning environment, the idea that through creative expression people can actually truly demonstrate what they know. Wow, sounds uh, interesting. And yeah, and so the first the first third is is like our theory and philosophy behind that and where it all comes from, and then the last uh, two thirds are forty plus activities you can do in any classroom. Um, and full-on lesson plans. Sweet. Uh, we call them pathways. Okay. Yeah. Sounds very practical yeah, we, as well. We, that's it. We try to balance the practical with the theory, yeah. just like we try to balance digital and analog making and creating. Cool. Uh, awesome. And, uh, yeah. So, and you can find out, like, my other stuff, like, it, for anybody who wants to know what I'm up to, um, I've got a website, danrider207.com. Um, and, but really the best way to know wh- what I'm doing and where I, where I'm at and how I got to find out about you and the work you're doing was Twitter, I think. Okay. Uh, if I recall, yep, uh, I, think I, think right. I saw you, I think I saw you, I was looking for something else about mental health and I saw, I saw you posted something. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Oh, Oh, that's hey, interesting. Thank um, you. yeah. And, uh, and I listened to, to a couple of the shows and, Great. uh, yeah. Um, but really, uh, Twitter at Wicked Decent on Twitter. That's been my my life. Hey, say your Twitter handle again. Uh, at Wicked Decent. Got it's it. A, it's a mana. It's a mana thing. Okay. So you got you got Wicked Good and Wicked Hard. 
in in, in uh, the Northeast, but <laughs> okay. but Wicked Decent is when stuff is a little bit better. Right, right. Okay, sweet. Yeah. I'll make sure to have all that information in the show uh, notes. And, uh, you know, before we uh, separate and go our own ways, how about any uh, advice you have for listeners who may be going through a rough patch themselves right now? Oh, advice. Um, be authentic. And that's, that's the most important thing I think for any of us. It's super hard. Um, but the more honest you can be with yourself and with the people around you, it pays rewards. It doesn't mean be callous. It doesn't mean be cruel or be, be blunt. It means be authentic and be, be open. Um, I can't describe the, the value I found in my relationships with, with the people that matter the most to me by opening up to them about what I was really going through and what I was really dealing with. Um, and, uh, it's, it's also amazing in turn how people will, will respond to that by opening up to you, um, and finding strength in your friendship with them just as you are with them. So, um, or, or friendship or collegiality or whatever it might be. Perfect. Sounds great. Well, Dan, uh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been great to talk to you. Uh, and uh, keep up the amazing work you're doing. You sound like one hell of a busy guy. Uh, <laughs> keep it up. Good, good luck with the, uh, with the weight that you're trying to take off. Uh, I think it's cool that you've recognized it and you're, you're targeting it, and I'm sure you're going to be successful with that. And uh, thank you again for your time, and make sure you stay healthy. Thank you for listening to The Depression Files. Please know that if you are currently suffering from depression and are experiencing thoughts of suicide, please reach out for help. In the United States, you can text to 741741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor, or you can go to suicide.org for a list of international suicide hotlines. If you're a man who has experienced depression and would like to be interviewed for the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at AlLevin18. Thank you again for listening to The Depression Files.